My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. So thank you so much for joining me for episode 21 of the Adventure Games podcast. I hope everyone is well and I have a very interesting interview coming up very shortly. I've been wanting to upload it for a while now, and I'm delighted that I finally can. But first, I wanted to talk about something used in the adventure game world that's been happening the last few weeks. Um, first, uh, we start with John Ingold of Inkle Studios. Uh, he is, of course, the, uh, the developer of Heaven's Vault, which uh, Thomas reviewed on this podcast last week, and he quite liked it thing is one of the best games he'd ever played and apparently he's not the only one who liked it because John Ingold won the Gave Dev Heroes Award for writing a narrative. Now Ingold Studios announced that on their Twitter feed so huge congratulations to John Ingold and Ingold Studios and look forward to seeing what they will do next. Uh, now I wanted to go through very quickly two articles for you uh, by PC World. So the first article they have least is the best PC games of 2019 so far. So some of the games include some of the bigger releases such as Resident Evil 2, Metro Exodus and Devil May Cry 5, but they've also included some adventure games as their best PC games of 2019 so far. And one of those games is, yep, you guessed it, Heaven's Vault. And they've also included a few other adventure games as well, Observation, and Outer Wilds, so you can read more about those games on this article as well, which I will share a link to. Now the second article is 15 of the best indie PC games you might have missed in 2019 so far. And they also have included a few adventure games here as well, including Whispers of a Machine, Pathologic 2, Astrologaster, and of course I spoke with Jennifer from Yam Yam Games a few weeks ago, and Draugen. Now, I've just finished playing Draugen, and I will talk about it in more detail next week's episode with Tomas. I will review this game. I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts on this game. It's certainly a very interesting game, and a lot to talk about there as well. But you can check out this article as well on PCWorld.com, which I will include in the show notes. Now, a new game that has just been released called Sea of Solitude. It is an EA original and in this game that this game is developed by Joe May Games and in this game you go on a personal journey of a young woman's loneliness. You set sail across a beautiful and evolving world where nothing is quite what it seems. Meet fantastical creatures and monsters, learn their stories, and solve challenges. Explore a flooded city, either by boats, on foot, or by swimming through the water itself. Dare to look what lies beneath the surface in a haunting struggle of darkness and light, and discover what it truly means to be human. Is this real?
This world that I live in is empty and cold. The loneliness cuts me and tortures my soul. I'm no child of destiny and no fortune son. I've just chased you so long now. I'm too weak to run. A new day is here, but nothing is new. Alone in my room, I tremble. So some of the features, as I mentioned, that uh, this game embarks players on a nuanced and intimate action-adventure experience through the mind of Kay as she struggles to overcome her inner loneliness. You go through a metaphorical world where water levels rise and fall to reflect her own state of mind. You face the monsters within, you encounter fantastical creatures, solve puzzles, and rid the world of tainted memories. And so you meet a variety of beautiful and terrifying monsters, each with their own struggles of loneliness to tell. Through confronting these monsters, Kay will not only learn more about them, but also herself and what it means to be human. So this game is out now on Origin.com. It looks beautiful. It's been getting some great reviews. So looking forward to checking it out myself. The game is available now if you want to try it on the Origin Store. Now, this year is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So what better time to play as an astronaut without, you know, actually going to space or the moon? Well, you can do that from the comfort of your own home with Deliver Us the Moon from indie Dutch studio Keoken Interactive. I'm sure Thomas could pronounce this a lot better than I can, so apologies for butchering that name. But Deliver Us to Moon is a sci-fi thriller set in an apocalyptic near future, where Earth's natural resources are depleted. A lone astronaut is sent to the moon on a critical mission to save humanity from extinction. We could recover. Rebuild. Stop thinking about the future. Something's not right. We didn't give up the first time, and we're not giving up now. Overloaded. All of you gathered here are survivors. Together, we will dare to leap and risk greatness. So in this game, you will tackle real-world themes such as climate change and the depletion of the world's natural resources. This game also has multiple gameplay styles where you experience sequences in first and third person. And you explore the WSA space station and the open lunar landscape with weightless freedom by foot, rover or monorail. 
you utilize the greatest technology mankind has to offer from new age spacesuits, cutting lasers, rockets and robot arms. And you need to stay alive with oxygen tanks running out and never ending void of space staring you down. Staying alive won't be so easy. And you need to overcome obstacles, dangerous blocking your paths, and uncover the secrets of the past by using various tools and all of your wits to solve intricate puzzles. This game, it was released originally in 2018, and the developers had been working on a DLC. Now, two weeks ago, they announced some good news. They announced that they had recently partnered with publisher Wired Productions, who had given them additional funding to complete the game. So the developers have decided to temporarily pull the game from Steam because now they want to add the DLC to the main game and revamp the game basically and make it as good as they can. So they have an FAQ on their Steam page, which I will share on the show notes as well, where they talk in more detail. So if you already bought this game, don't worry, you will still own the game and you'll get the DLC for free. This game is well worth checking out. That game is Deliver Us the Moon. Now, just a few games that I have spoken about very before, that there are some updates on them. So, Willie Morgan is a game I spoke about very briefly before. There, the developers have released a second trailer, this time featuring the voice of the main character, Willie Morgan. It's already been 10 years. Henry Morgan, the famous archaeologist, vanished under mysterious circumstances. Tomorrow is the anniversary of Dad's disappearance. Coming! A letter from me? Dear Willie, it's Dad. If you received this letter, it means that my mission didn't go according to plan. You must go to the old inn in Bonetown as soon as possible, but never trust anyone. I've looked for clues to his disappearance for 10 years. I must leave for Bonetown immediately. this game as i mentioned before you are enjoying your summer holidays 10 years have passed since the mysterious disappearance of your father when you get a letter from your father who is the famous archaeologist henry morgan so in this game you need to basically find the go on a journey and find out what happened to your archaeologist father and now another game i spoke about before uh, that has an update is yet another hero story which is released on yet another platform. Now, this game is a classic point-and-click adventure set in a fantasy cartoon world. You play as Martin, who needs to become a hero and save the abducted noble lady. Now, this comedy adventure game is now available on Steam as well as itch.io. Another update on a game which I've spoken about before 
called Grund, a dark, lynching, narrative-driven adventure game. They have said that they have added another artist to the team. So they are now expanding. They're still working on a demo to be released in September. So looking forward to hearing more about this game. And it's always exciting when developers add more people. So looking forward to hearing more about this game in the near future. And another game that new game that has just been released is Adventures of Isabel Fine, Murder on Rails. So this is a modern take on the classic adventure game. It is a murder mystery set set aboard a, a train and you play the role of Isabel Fine. So it's a top-down isometric 2D game. Now you play the role of a female detective, so think Laura Bow or Carol Reed. But this detective is a little bit different because she is a space-faring, time-traveling, dimension-jumping smart-mouth, and she's off on her first documented adventure. So this game is available now on Steam, and they're also making a sequel. So looking forward to hearing more about that. That game, again, is Adventures of Isabel Fine, Murder on Rails. Uh, now for something a little bit different is a puzzle arcade game called Octomaze. Uh, in this game, so priceless artifacts were stolen long ago from the Octopus Tribe's eternal rivals, Disgusting Parasites. So in this game you play as an octopus and you need to go on a journey to find these artifacts and bring them back. So the main goal of game is to find the entire collection of artifacts and you will have uh, several different enemies and obstacles and you need to collect items and objects and go through several different um, locations as well so again this game will be available for mobile tablet and pc and it will be out on ios android windows and this game is just finishing beta and it, the developers are hoping for a release in August. So again, I've included a link to the video on YouTube and their main, their official website, so you can check it out. Finally, another new game has been announced, this time called Mind Trap, from Steve Adamson of Gearworks Production. Uh, he is working on a Twilight Zone-inspired adventure escape room episodic game. It's coming to desktop with VR to follow, but he needs your help to get it out. It, he, this game is on Indiegogo.com where you can find a trailer and more details about the game. Now, I spoke to Steve Adamson a few weeks ago, and I will be uploading our interview in the next interview episode, so in two weeks' time. But in the meantime, you can check out his game Mind Trap on Indiegogo as well, and you can pledge to help him if you so wish. I'm looking forward to hearing more about this game. He's a really, really intelligent man, Steve Adamson. I'm sure you agree after listening to our interview in two weeks, but in the meantime, you can check out his game that's Mind Trap on Indiegogo.
don't say words. I'm just gonna find a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't sing, Mr. Davis, my name is Dr. Markham. I am here to help you remember who you are, why you are here, and why what comes next is necessary. Now, speaking of games that are being crowdsourced, another game is out on Kickstarter this time. It's called Pteropods, an adventure game full of dinosaurs. In this game, you face dinosaurs, solve puzzles, and travel back to the time of ginormous lizards and pixelated adventure games. So in this game, you play in the prehistoric era, featuring lots and lots of dinosaurs. It's a silent adventure game, and as I mentioned, it has pixelated uh, graphics, and also it has a bit of a sci-fi twist. So if you want to hear more about this game, and this Kickstarter, well, you're in luck because I had a chance to speak with the developers a few weeks ago before they announced their Kickstarter. And so I spoke with Costas and Sarah, and they spoke about the game, about well, the story, about the gameplay, about puzzles that they wanted to introduce, and about how they managed to get the graphics, and a bit more about themselves as well. I have already backed this game, and I believe you might be wanting to back this game after hearing this interview as well. I hope so anyway. So without further ado, here is my interview with Costas and Sarah, the developers of Terrapod. So please enjoy. Thank you very much for joining me, everyone listening for this interview. I'm here with Costas and Sarah Duffield-Harding. Uh, hello, guys. How are you today? Hey, hello. Hey. Hello, okay, cats. thanks. <laughs> That's great. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this game because I, I saw it on Instagram and I thought, wow, I really want to know more about it. So, But first, I was wanting to know if you guys could maybe introduce yourselves first and talk about what your favorite adventure games are. So, uh, Costas, do you want to start? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, okay, so I introduce myself first. Hi, I'm Costas. Uh, I'm originally from Greece, but I live in the Netherlands now. And uh, yeah, me and Sarah work on uh, theropods and uh, my favorite adventure games. Um, I guess I would say, well, I mean, everyone's saying Monkey Island, obviously, but I, I would go like the game that I really like from the Monkey Island series was, I guess, the, the third one, The Curse of Monkey Island, because I was kind of blown away by the 2D animation and the fact that it looked like I was watching a cartoon that I could interact with. Um, it was really funny. So I think that's the first game that I was like, uh, wow, you can actually make a game like that. That, you know, that looks so slick and 2D and pretty. Um, yeah, that's that, that would be it, I guess. Yeah, no, that definitely. I, I played that first before Monkey Island 1 and 2 myself going way back. And again, I was absolutely amazed with, with the graphics. And, it, and uh, you know, just with everything, with the humor, with the writing, with the characters and with the with the 2D as well, the, the animations that I loved, and it really helped, you know, me fall in love with the adventure genre, so... Yeah, it's great, and I think this it's great about this style, because it doesn't really age visually, because, mm. like, you can say, you know, pixel art, like, it looks old, or, like, PS1-era graphics, they look old 3D, but with, like, pretty 2D hand-drawn stuff, they just look, like, really, really slick, even now. 
absolutely. No, I mean, because it's funny because when people talk about Escape from Monkey Island, they say, oh, the graphics, they haven't really aged well. But Curse of Monkey Island, everyone seems to love the graphics. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So uh, t thank you. I think it's mainly Bill Tiller who worked. He was the head of the the art department. So thank you, Bill Tiller, for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay, thank you, Costas. Um, and then Sarah, would you like to do the same? Would you like to introduce yourself and say what your favorite adventure games are? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm Sarah. I do pixel art and animation. I guess. Um, yeah, I do the pixel art um, character and um, animation, not the backgrounds though, on theropods. And uh, yeah, my favorite. It's so hard to pick just one. I, I can't you, pick you, just one. I can't. You can pick several <laughs> if you want. I'll allow that. <laughs> yeah. So for, for me, Curse of Monkey Island, like definitely as well. Um, it was also the first one that I played before the Monkey Island 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. um, the art was amazing. The story was amazing. The humor, the puzzles, like just everything about it was just, yeah, I think I, I would probably safely say that might be my favorite. I don't know. But there are there are other ones. Like um, I really enjoyed Grim Fandango. Broken Sword Beneath the Still Sky. Machinarium, there's just something really nice about that and the lack of dialogue that and the just the art style. I really, really like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 <laughs> definitely good ones. <laughs> they're they're definitely I, I, again, you know, Grim Fandango. you know, speaking of, you know, the graphics, that game has aged very very well in the I think in visually as as well. Um and and then Broken Sword as well, it looks beautiful. And Machinarium, I haven't played it, but I have seen it and from what I've seen of the videos, I love the animations in them. That, mm. that, it's really cute, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that they seem, you know, this, this, it seems like a, they're, you know, really alive. If, you know, don't know if, you, if that makes any sense, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And it's really necessary the fact that there is no dialogue at all. Yeah. So it needs to carry the story so that you know, like, what is going on, like, through the animation. Yeah, and they it does it really well. Speed bubbles where it's like uh, the animation turns into like stick figures almost. Uh, but yes. yeah, it's it's really charming game. It just makes you giggle all the time because <laughs> the silly robot voices and the animations. Yes, no, I really should uh, should check it out sometime. But, <laughs> but it's uh, my grow my growing list of adventure games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know what you mean. Yeah. So um, so okay, so now you guys uh, you're making an adventure game. So first of all, I wanted to. Uh, to ask, how, how did you guys, you know, get together, get the team together to start this game? So, how did you guys start the the company? And what what's the name of the company as well? I don't think I asked that. We don't actually have a company. It's just basically <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the two of us wanting to make a game. We met um, at university. We we're both studying animation there, and we the remain UK, friends. So. Yeah, in the UK, um, we remain friends like since, and we've both like really loved adventure games, and then. Eventually, I think it was um, for classes, was it 2015? Game Jam? Yeah. Adventure Jam. Adventure Jam, yeah, we decided that we wanted to... Actually, no, we were making separate games, I think. No, Costas was making Theropods. I was making, going to potentially make another game with a different team, but that kind of fell through. So I jumped on board on his to do the art, and that's where, like, the first Theropods was born, like a Game Jam version of it. Um, yeah, we, we really wanted to make an adventure game, and then we're like, hey, what's this jam? And then we're like, we don't have an excuse now, we... You know, yeah. we have it, it was the deadline was also two weeks, so it was kind of good for us. Like it wasn't like two days where we would have failed miserably. So two weeks felt pretty good. And and yeah, like uh, me and Sarah got in the team the last second because Theropods uh, uh, was going to be, you know, just 2D art, no pixel art initially, because that's what I can do. I can do pixel art. I mean, Sarah can do pixel art. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we, we just started making it and it was really cool. 
<laughs> and that was the first version of the game that uh, ever came out. We had two weeks, we made it in two weeks, and uh, we released it to the world, and uh, saw, saw how it uh, how it was received, basically. Well, well so, so is, this, is this version of the game still available then? Yes, it's, it yeah. was made on Flash. Um, okay. And it's uh, it's if you it's on Game Jolt right now. So if you type Therapods on Game Jolt, you're gonna find a it's a mini version with like it has like I think uh, three playable areas. Well, technically two and a half. And uh, yeah, you can complete I guess in 15-20 minutes. And uh, it's there. That was the first attempt of Therapods. Oh, very nice. So yeah, we, we we did that in two weeks, and then uh, we we got. We got a lot of positive feedback, and then we were like, "Yeah, we should probably just try again with this game and make a full version of it." Cool, because it, I imagine it must be pretty challenging to make a game in two weeks, even if it's a short game. Because I, one thing that I've learned from adventure game developers is that making adventure games, in particular, is hard. <laughs> it takes a long time. So, how did how did you find it making the game in in two weeks? Uh, what did you find that challenging, or did were you um, did you feel able to do it okay? We have to drop a lot of it, like half the game or something. We yeah, planned sure. out far more than we wanted. Then yeah, we wanted to do a lot more with it. Um, but yeah, we had a programmer as well, Seething Swarm. This is his online yeah, name. We, we yeah, that's back when we used to make Flash games. You know, uh, when Flash was a thing, uh, we we met on Newgrounds on the, the website. Yeah, and uh, and then I I've made a game uh, before that with uh, with him. It was like a beat 'em up uh, game, kind of like Golden Axe uh, type of game. Um, and so we we worked together on that, and then we we wanted to make this game. And then he was like, Yeah, sure, it sounds like easier than a beat 'em up to make an adventure game. Um, yeah, and as Sarah said, we actually I, I, because I do the animation for it, and I was uh, making the puzzles, and I think I made like three or four times the puzzles that are actually featured in the game because I planned like four times more than we actually had time to do. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, you you go with the best intentions into a game time. It's like, yeah, we'll make this huge game. And then you realize that you don't have time to do anything and you actually rather have a complete game than have nothing, even if it's tiny. Uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a big slap in the face in the first few <laughs> days. <laughs> Right, but at least you know it showed that you can make a game within two weeks and really, you know get something out there. And um, if anything, I imagine it can give you guys confidence, saying, "Oh no, look, we can do this now." You know, people like it, and we know we can do this well. So now let's go for a full game. So yeah, it's great, great experience. Because if we wanted to decide we wanted to make the full game straight away, it just would take forever to do. I think, and we have a little fan base from the game jam version as well, which is yeah, yeah it helps yeah, a that's lot. How yeah, that's how a lot of games started. Uh, that's with, uh, when I spoke to the guy, the spooky doorway who made a dark side detective. That's mm. kind of mm. how it started as well. Like they just uh, released the screenshots and <laughs> uh, they just had a very short, very, very short game. But to say that people really liked it. So then they decided to go out and make it, um, uh, you know, a full feature length version, you know, and it. Now it's uh, it's won a few awards and it's very well known and uh, so so you never know so it's uh, it's definitely uh, yeah you know, how a lot of games start so yeah especially if you're just kind of starting out because you mm. you kind of need to see how people take the game and uh, what kind of puzzles are it's, it's it was also our playtesting because we also had two weeks so so we we got to see what points we messed up in puzzle design let's say if more people got stuck in it or. So, so it was a it was a trial and error, I guess, uh, thing to right, make this so. game. 
Because yeah, because if you if we as Sarah said, if we just like went ahead and was like, yeah, let's make a full game, then you 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 don't foresee a lot of setbacks that you have to kind of fail and see it uh, while you're making the game. So it was a nice little project to see what we can do and if we can complete a little project and and what people are gonna uh, how people are gonna react to it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can get some great feedback as well that you can then use for the for the full game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, okay. Uh, so then, very quickly, I know Sarah, you mentioned that you did uh, animation for the uh, characters, and Costas. Mm -hmm. uh, first, of all, what is your main uh, role in, <laughs> yeah. in this game? Then, yeah, good question. I said that <laughs> Everything. I... <laughs> yeah, like uh, so, I, I I can't code at all. So I I, I uh, but uh, like what I'm, Yep. Uh, so what I can do is uh, I do animations and uh, the character designs, and uh, I do the puzzles uh, with Sarah. Uh, I do the story. Um, I get, so it's a little bit of everything that's not coding, basically. Uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not as good as uh, I can do pixel art, and Sarah can do like really really good pixel art. So we we had this idea of like, uh, what if I do the r really rough animations of characters, like in line art almost, and then we work together and we we make them like into pretty pixels and we. That was one of the ideas we had for the game jam too, to to put this idea to the test, and uh, it worked really well. At first, I was very generous with the amount of frames that I was giving Sarah. Yeah, so yeah, was it was like, a lot of work. It was way too much. <laughs> yeah, because usually, you know, to get like a really fluid, let's say Disney uh, quality uh, frame rate, you you do 24 frames in a second, and I was kind of like going crazy with it. And then Sarah was like, I "I've just done this walk cycle, and it took me a day. Like, can you, you know?" That's not gonna work. Uh, so I had to I had to cut down a little frames to to make sure that the, the you know it still works, and it made me realize that's why so many old games look like they have such a choppy small frame rate because probably it was a time constraint too that they like it looks like he's walking it's two frames so let's use that uh, so yeah it was a learning curve for that to not add the, to not go crazy on like the the animations. So yeah, you asked me what I'm doing in the game. That's it. and I went. You know, I just talked about everything. But yeah, that, that was yeah. Cool. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that sounds cool. And then I was just checking on the the website, and it said that you work on TV commercials and an action feature film. Is oh that... me? Yeah, my my background is uh, is in filmmaking. Uh, that's how I started. And uh, yeah, I've done I've done a few commercials. I'm doing editing and directing and writing and a little bit of everything. I've done a feature film that was uh, released in Greek cinemas, and it was an action film. That was in 2016. Um, very nice. Yeah, and but yeah, but you know, I obviously I, I love games too, and I felt mm. like, especially with the writing aspect of it, that it's really nice if you can write about you know giant dinosaurs and jungles <laughs> and without needing to have the budget for it, because you mm. just draw everything. So that's one of aspect of games that I, I love that you know you don't really have any constraints on it, as you do with film where you need to actually find people to say the words you need and all that. Like like, like Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't have a Jurassic huge full T Rex or animatronics to to do that. So yeah, it's it's kind of nice. I can write about huge dinosaur and not care about the budget for it. Well, I mean I do care about the budget for it, but not for shooting it. So, yeah. Exactly. And uh, is is that film? Is that is that? Can that be seen internationally, or is that available uh, in Greece? Yeah, well, yeah. It's, I think it's only available <laughs> on DVD as well in Greece. Uh, it was at at some point. I think the company we work with they sold it on uh, Netflix in Japan, 
so it was there for a while. Uh, oh, but, okay. Yeah, but they they actually dubbed it, and it was like yeah, a really weird thing to see uh, with with Japanese actors. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's actually anywhere online. I mean, I know the trailer is online for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think I think they have plans to release it on iTunes and Amazon. But yeah, I can't really follow up on that at the moment. <laughs> no, very nice. And, and are you are you able to give us the name of the the film then before? Yeah, you... it's called uh, Short Fuse. And it's an action film. Uh, yeah, it's about a guy who has a bomb strapped on his chest, and he he's trying to find a way to to get it off because there's a guy on a on a near on a near uh, speaker, whatever whatever it's called, like a near phone, who's telling him what he has to do to remove it. Um, yeah, and we thought it would be low budget and high budget enough to to be able to pull it off. Okay, I, I can imagine that there will be a, a remake with Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we're very close to the rights right now too. Or Jason and you were you the director then? <laughs> then on this, yeah, I, I, I will was, move on from this now after this. That's no, last it's, question. no, it's good. I, I was, uh, yeah, we, we, we were uh, two directors on it, so I was a co-director. I uh, co-wrote it and I did the visual effects for it. Uh, but uh, yeah, but to go to go back to the game from this, like what really helped me mm -hmm. with uh, handling such a big project was first of all finishing a big project. So I I, I had this under my belt after that. Uh, I guess talking to a lot of people and coordinating a team because because if you make a, a film like it's almost impossible to make it by, with one person like with a game because you actually have to work with you know actors or or camera people uh, or in post production so it was really like good to teach me to the skills to like you know kind of be able to put a team together and 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 say what the vision is i guess and um other than that, I want to say something, but I forgot about this. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Like uh, dealing with a team and like finishing a big project was would be the two things that I got from it. Yeah, I know because you actually asked, answered my next question was how did you mm -hmm. bring the skills onto the game development? Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is that because I'm not a programmer, as I said ninety times by now, uh, <laughs> it's uh, that I, we could actually uh, when we I couldn't code, but I could put together an animation uh, for how the game ideally. Uh, would be uh, so if we like now that we made we made a trailer for the game uh, that doesn't require any coding it just requires mm -hmm. animation and like you know camera shots and uh, and camera movements uh, so that it was easier for me to like create the, what the final product would look like if someone was playing it in a let's play or whatever and communicate that to either like people who actually wanted to to uh, support the game or buy the game or like to a to a programmer. Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, th thanks for that. And now, uh, Sarah, <laughs> then, I know you mentioned that you're doing the character art and the animation, as Costas mentioned as well. Um, it, sa it says on the website as well that you do that you do pixel artists, that you're a stop-motion animator as well. Is that correct? And a painter yeah. and yeah. game designer. Uh, so what do you have any preference uh, for any of the animation? Because I've... I have heard that stop motion animator that people like it, but it's very, very time consuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I kind of stopped doing that. Probably, I used to have a, a natural, like, physical studio where I could um, use it to to film in and to animate in. But like, without that space where you can just leave it and you come to it every now and then and like move your little um, what do you call it? Um, I don't want to call it a doll. But it's been so long. What are they called? <laughs> Armature. Um, like a tiny bit at a time and then you take a photo but like it just takes so long and then like the tiniest like little nudge of the table or something will just semi ruin it it's 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 very frustrating but it's very um rewarding once you actually 
look back at what you have filmed over that whole day or longer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know how you guys have the patience to do that because it, I mean, it looks amazing. I love it myself, but then I, I see it, you know, behind the scenes and how long it took. You know, there was a game released a few months ago. I haven't played it yet, but Tr- uh, Brook, yeah. which I believe is stop motion as well. And they have mm-hmm. it behind the scenes on their Steam page. And again, the amount of work that it takes to, mm. uh, that I saw just to make the game. And then with the, with the movies uh, as well, like it, it just see, you know, seems like a lot. But as you mentioned, there was a lot of uh, work as well with the, with the animation as well. Um, yeah. So, so you mentioned... Sorry, I just wanted to say that I'm a very tactile person, which is why I think that I do enjoy that. Like I do a lot of um, modeling, like with clay as well. Like oh. I enjoy being able to hold something and to be able to like, craft it and there's like something very um what's the word like ho- homemade about it i guess like it doesn't look yes. perfect like with 3d but um yeah it's it's weird how i i really enjoy that but i also really enjoy pixel art which is kind of the complete i don't know is it the complete opposite <laughs> it's weird because like, i do very very low res kind of pixel art where you know six pixels make up a face or something like that which it has no detail in it i don't know there's there's completely different ends of the spectrum to me, but I enjoy both of them a lot. Master of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> and have you worked or would you like to work in, in 3D as well and use any of the 3D programs to animate? Or... No, no, I have no interest in, I like watching or playing things that are 3D, but I have no, yeah, I can't connect with it at all. I don't know okay. why, like I've never, never wanted to. Um, and I'm always more drawn to 2D art than 3d yeah sure yeah well and then it's said you're, you're a game as well a painter game designer and cookie chef so you you, you <laughs> bake cookies. I, I, I do i do <laughs> i do enjoy baking i love my food yeah <laughs> oh, well that's very nice it's, it's, it's a pity we're across the ocean now <laughs> or across oh, no, the no, same country i'm in england <laughs> yeah no i'm in ireland so Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's true, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, not just across away. the sea. No, it's not, I could hop on a plane, you know, to, <laughs> to like, what, what I did for Adventure XCOM, that just get one mm-hmm. hour of sleep and just go and then come back oh, in one day. With I would never oh, wow, do that Wow, one day? Yeah, I because I just got the tickets at the very last minute, and I couldn't right. I could only get it for the Sunday, but I don't I don't think I would ever do that again. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> it was that, crazy, it was. That was last year you were in there, right? Yes, and I, it was it was funny because I was playing some of the games and I was so tired and I couldn't solve the <laughs> puzzles. Yes, and, like, you haven't slept for a day, solve some puzzles now. <laughs> yes, and, and I know I usually, like I, especially with kind of logic-based puzzles, I sometimes struggle anyway. <laughs> but sometimes I can get them, but with just no sleep, I was like, no, no chance. And, uh, you know, and I felt like to develop, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> They're going to think I'm such an idiot. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, according to the website, there are two other people working on the game. Is that correct still? Yeah, we should have mentioned them like uh, an hour ago. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we got, uh, because, well, uh, speaking of... Uh, well, let's start with programming that, like, Sarah is doing this, uh, actually, for now. Well, uh, for now. Okay, yeah, so you're doing the programming as well, yeah? Uh, yeah. yeah. The problem is, like, we wanted to have a playable version of the game, so, like, a demo for the Kickstarter, and we've been working on it for a long time now, and we've gone through multiple other programmers, but it never really worked out. So 
we just yeah, decided because they actually them. yeah it's because they actually wanted to get paid eventually i guess and they couldn't stick with a you know it makes sense like if you can pay your programmer they can't stick with the, the game and yeah. we found that out four times already <laughs> so we, so so eventually sarah said yeah i'll give it a go and yeah i, I used um, i used ags adventure game studio um thinking that would be the easiest option but i'm hoping it was like <laughs> the other ones looked a bit too too full on for me because i do not know how to code um so I picked that up and, and learned how to do it and yeah, made a demo from that. But I, I don't plan to do the programming on the, the full game, I don't think. We, yeah, which we're actually going to release the demo uh, with a Kickstarter uh, of, of the game. Um, yeah, sorry. And then I, I to go back to what you asked me, uh, <laughs> I, the other people in the team, uh, we got uh, Matt Frith, which uh, he, he's, uh, he's like really active in the AGS community too. He's made a few games himself. We uh like kind of met each other i guess we were in the same game jam uh for the for adventure games and he was making his own uh, adventure game called foundations i think and he he's like an amazing amazing pixel artist and we he was really kind to hop on the project we asked him to like if he wanted to to join the team uh, in doing the backgrounds uh for the game and he was really kind to say yes and his art is like really really amazing basically the, yeah, the, the reason why you think the game looks pretty is him i think yeah <laughs> he adds a lot to the game his art is gorgeous and yeah it really brings it to life yeah and okay he... so he, he he does the background art mostly does he or mm-hmm. yeah and okay. he does and, and little animations here and there on the background, background. animations yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and the the other people on the team is uh zach strifel uh Hope he doesn't murder me for mispronouncing his name. Uh, he, he does the music and the sound design too. And uh, I met Zach on Newgrounds as well. We worked together in... Uh, actually, we have worked together. We All our games fall through because they were game jams too before that. But this one, we actually worked together. And he's... Uh, yeah, he, he's really, really... He's from the US. Uh, Matt is actually from the UK. Uh, Zach is from the US. Uh, and he, uh, he was really kind too to hop on board on the game. Uh, and uh, he was in the Game Jam version of the game too, where uh, he worked with us. And we also have on our team uh, Tiana Camazzo, who does the voice of the uh, of the main character in the game. Um, although our game doesn't really have any dialogue in it, it has a few grunts from the main character. Uh, so she, she, but she did a really, really good job with like you know uh, giving a personality to a character who doesn't say anything, basically. And she's been with us since the Game Jam version. And uh, just to mention that these people have been amazing to stick with us with, you know, no pay in a tiny game with a promise that right. one day we're going to release it and we're going to repay everyone. Uh, so, yeah, if it, if it wasn't for, for all this team, we wouldn't be doing anything now. Oh, that sounds great. I, had Tiana Camacho done any other voice work? Because I feel like I've heard of... Yes, she's been that's... everywhere. She's definitely been in Unavowed. Uh, that's like, that's or... where I, yeah, yeah, because I was thinking... I, I've heard of her, but then I was thinking, have I heard her? <laughs> But yeah, no, I think yeah, unavowed and yes. Um, I think she's been in one of the famous mobile games, which uh, hope she forgives me if I. Uh, I think it was it the Heroes of New Earth or something that she was doing one of the characters too. Um, which I, yeah, which I haven't played, so I, I can't swear by this. But yeah, but she, she's uh, she, she, you can you can hear her everywhere lately. I think so. She's been really really good. Okay, so so she can give different types of grunts then in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, but she she does like it's funny because when we released the game some version, I got some people saying, "Wow, I really like her voice," and I was like, "Wow, that's it's nice that people notice this, you know, the acting of the Amazon, uh, like the of the main character of it, just just from a few grunts." 
Sure, yeah. Plus, you know, the face is a few pixels too, so that's even harder <laughs> to give a personality to if you have two pixels for eyes to get, uh, you know, emotion out of it. So that's really nice. Of course, okay. Uh, well, that sounds really good. And then, the, obviously, you said that you're in different countries. You're in the Netherlands, and Sarah, you're in the UK, and then... Mm -hmm. I believe you said uh, some of the others are in the US. So how do you find working remotely? Um, did, did you find that challenging or is everything working okay, working remotely? And do you guys ever meet up or do you plan on meeting up in person or is that necessary in this day of age? So there's a lot of questions. But <laughs> <laughs> So how do you find working remotely? First of all, I'll stick to that question. Uh, it works sorry. really well. Yeah. It works really well. Just on the internet is our friend. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, with Discord and Skype, um, you can keep in contact, like, really easily, just a phone call away. Well, if you call it a phone call, but, um, yeah, we, we keep up to date with each other. Like, um, we use, ah, we've tried using different, um, what are they called, like, project planning apps, like Slack and things like that. I always, like, hop between them because they never really do exactly what I want them to do. But they, they help. They help a lot um, to keep in track on, like, what people are doing. Um yeah, I don't know. There's no no issue with it. No, we great. we do meet a few uh, every year, a couple of years with uh, Sarah and Matt because of AdventureX. So that's yeah, nice, true, uh, true. Yeah, that's a nice gathering point to to meet everyone. Uh, yeah, and I've I've never actually met Zach or Tiana up close because they're, the, they're in the US and I've never been there. But I hope to one day. Yeah, eventually it'd be great <laughs> for us all to meet up together. Yeah, but AdventureX is actually a really great meetup for for everyone to yeah. just, you know have a beer and play adventure games and and say hi to each other. Yes, absolutely. I, I hope to go again for the two days uh, in the future. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, the, not the one day extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did exhibit, uh, I think, in 2016, Sarah? Was it? Uh, potentially. I can't remember yeah. which year it was now. So, was yeah, it? I think I think it was the second year of, uh, of, the, of AdventureX. But yeah, it, w it was really, really nice. Okay, and you started working in this game, you mentioned 2015, was it? Or 2016? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> or a few <laughs> <Yeah>. years ago. <laughs> uh, 2015 is when we released the game's version, and yeah. since then we've been planning the, the full release of the game. Uh, but basically, yeah, what's keeping us behind was uh, we had to cycle a few, uh, a few programmers. We, we started the game in uh, three different game engines. So, like, initially we, uh, it was made in Flash, but because you know, uh, we, we wanted to actually release the full game in, uh, in a different game engine because of the, to be available to, you know, other platforms other than web browser. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, and our, our coder at the time, he, he didn't really know how to do anything other than, uh, other than code in Flash. So he was like, yeah, I, ca I can't do this. So we had to find someone else. And then we, we tried our hands uh, with Unity, but yeah, we had some issues because we were using this plugin called Adventure Creator, but uh, has a lot of like cookie cutter um, interfaces in it. So it helps a lot if you want to make an adventure game, but it kind of limits you in a way. Like that's basically what I've been told because I'm not a coder, but I've been I've been looking into this, uh, like, you know, from uh, just reading online and all that and uh, our experience with uh, coding the game there. Uh, so yeah, and then we ended up with AZS where, where Sarah has been coding for it now. And we're not even sure if we're going to keep using that engine because of some other limitations. Although Sarah can say more about this and that. But yeah, that's one of the reasons the game has been taking so long to get off the ground because of the coding issues we had. We've also Sammy been working on and off like with jobs as well. Yeah, it's a big part like, of it. Like yeah. 
Yeah, we, we actually had to have jobs to survive, so we we couldn't really <laughs> yeah. do this full time. Uh. <laughs> oh no, I understand very well. So, <laughs> so uh, well, you know, may, maybe when the game is released, maybe it's possible. But yeah, most of the developers that I've spoken with that I know, I think most of them have other jobs as well to help keep them going. Yeah, I think uh, the main the main problem for us is because we can't uh, program. Although you could argue, like, can you guys learn how to code? And Sarah did, but I don't want to touch this at all. <laughs> That's going to take, I'm going to get so frustrated. It's going to take me so many years. Uh, but our plan for now was that uh, uh, we're currently um, planning a Kickstarter for the game so that we can actually have the funds to, you know, first of all, pay for a programmer to stick with us uh, because, you know, it's a job now. And uh, second of all, for us to be able to not have uh, second jobs and work on this game full time and not for it to take like a million years to release. But for, for now, what we've been doing is, uh, yeah, we've been uh, pumping out as much art as we can, as much as proof of concept as we can, and the demo and the trailer and everything like that to, to showcase what the game is going to look like in the final version. Uh, we're trying to make people aware that we exist and this game is being created so that when we actually release the Kickstarter, uh, we make it live, uh, we got a few people uh, possibly interested in uh, in helping us and supporting us with the creation of the game. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we've gotten to know you guys very well the last half an hour, but I suppose we should probably talk about the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, do we have to? Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to. That. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I could talk about uh, what you guys do, but I suppose the main the main thing is the game itself. So. Um, so first of all, I don't know if uh, if any of you want, if either of you want to talk about the game. So now I know that you're still in the you know early stages, you know, like with the Kickstarter and everything. But what um, uh, what can you tell us about the setting and the story of the game? Uh, I believe it's called Terrapods, as you mentioned. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sarah, you wanna take it off, or because I've been talking a lot, I think, over you. <laughs> sure. So obviously, point and click adventure game. It's um, set on a prehistoric lands. So there's like jungles and dinosaurs, and there are tribes as well. So the main character of our story is um, a huntress of the tribe. Um, and am I going through the whole story here, like roughly? <laughs> I don't. I, I can I can take it off. Yeah, Sarah yeah, said. Yeah, uh, yeah Sarah said uh, we're, we're set in a prehistoric world. We. Uh, we thought it would be interesting to have humans, you know, in the same place as dinosaurs. Uh, and uh, the main character is, uh, is the huntress of a tribe who lives peacefully in the jungle. And, you know, they kind of hunt, they forage, they survive uh, in a jungle full of dinosaurs in some way. And um, what at some point in the story, we introduced like a, a sort of a comet or meteor falling and crashing into the village. Which is, uh, which is revealed to be like a big glowing rock from space or something. And everyone's like, you know, obviously all the, all the village people are very confused and then they don't know what it is or it's a sign of the gods or whatever. Uh, and what happens is uh, eventually this glowing big rock attracts another tribe of humans, which are like way more mean and uh, violent than the, the ones we meet. And they, they enslave the whole village and they, uh, they take over this uh, crystal for themselves. Uh, and our main character actually escapes with her life uh, uh, from uh, the village. And uh, the whole point of the game is her trying to go back to her village and free her people. But first of all, she has to cross throughout this jungle full of dinosaurs uh, to, to get back to it and free them, I would say. In a... Okay. That... 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not... And then yeah. at the same time, we explore what this crystal is and where it comes from. Uh, and uh, and we reveal like that there's a second playable character, which is the man in a spacesuit that actually uh, was using this crystal to power up his ship. And he, he also teams up with her to help her get it and get it back. That's a sci-fi element of the story, too. <laughs> sounds very interesting. Now I'm even more intrigued now. It's oh, very intrigued, intrigued first. <laughs> I'm kind of really curious to know where where it goes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the aspects we've been keeping a secret until at least the Kickstarter, because we didn't want to like you know overload people with information like we just did with you now. Uh, it's it's very so visually. Uh, but yeah, we we thought because obviously if you if you I think if you introduce dinosaurs and humans, you need to find some sort of way to do it. Like you know with Jurassic Park, they use science, or I think with this show Terra Nova, they use time travel or something. So you kind of need some sort of science to. Uh, because every time we're like, we have dinosaurs and humans, everyone's like, oh, you know that actually humans didn't exist with dinosaurs. Like, yeah, thank you. We're making a game. Uh, but not that we wanted to actually justify it, but we wanted to find like a cool way to spin it off and like, you know, uh, to, to have the two existing together in the same environment. Sure. I mean, you could also say, well, you know, maybe there were people you know, <laughs> found their bones, right? You know, maybe it's an ultimate universe. Or, yeah, or... It's, it's actually fun uh, trying to figure out this the story, which we, you know, we kind of have, but, you know, uh, we it, it remains to be seen in the full game. Sure, yeah. And wh why did you choose the, the particular time? So I know you mentioned that you thought it'd be cool to have humans and dinosaurs, but was there any reason why you wanted this particular setting? By any chance? Uh, you mean with dinosaurs? Yeah. Uh, because, well, I mean, you know, we, we love dinosaurs, basically. Yeah, that, that's basically <laughs> it. That's basically it. Yeah, and Everybody loves dinosaurs. Pirates, pirates so. were taken already in adventure games, so we were like, okay, what's the next coolest thing that happens? No, yeah, we actually, I, I think, yeah, I think the whole idea of the game was like, wouldn't it be cool to have dinosaurs in an adventure game? Because we always wanted to make an adventure game, and we... I don't know. Is it me or are dinosaurs, you know, underrepresented in games or something? Because I, I think don't know. so. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, I thought, I thought, for some stupid reason, I thought this game needs to exist with, you know, with the colorful dinosaurs and solving puzzles. That was our main idea. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think everyone loves dinosaurs. Uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why I believe the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World movies are so successful. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but, but I don't know of many adventure games that have dinosaurs. I mean, obviously, there was the Telltale Jurassic Park game. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a great, unfortunately. And, you know, anything that says Jurassic Park, I go to see it. But, uh, yeah, the game was all right, compared to other yeah. console games, at least. <laughs> yes, no, I, I agree. I mean, I... I know we're kind of going a bit off tangent, but but yeah, I think it, <laughs> what they were going for was interesting, and maybe the whole execution, maybe. Yeah. But then, but then you know, it's, I but I really like when developers like experiment as well, and they try new things. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. That's true. That's, but but yeah, I know I would agree as well. And then there was an old game as well, Lost Eden, which uh, I played many years ago, which had dinosaurs in it. I don't remember much of it. Lost Eden. It Lost Eden. I had a war as well. I think with. Different types oh. of dinosaurs or dinosaurs. Definitely has dinosaurs from what I see here. Um, <laughs> yes, well, that's nice. <laughs> I remember I really enjoyed it from, but I but I played it as a kid. So. <laughs> oh wow, this looks so interesting. I'm actually gonna check it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's where it's still. I'm sure it's still available some some place, but uh, but yeah. But anyway, okay. So you have the um, setting as dinosaurs, and then the main character. Uh, first of all, does she have a name, or is that a spoiler? 
Aren't you called Huntress? No, we, we just call her we, we call her the Amazon when we when we work on the game. But you know, technically, she's not an Amazon at all because you know the Amazon. <laughs> we're tribal women, but uh, so we can call her the Amazon publicly, I guess. But we just that's what we call her. But we call her the Huntress, I guess, officially uh, in the game. Okay, yeah, yeah, um... and also as Sarah actually said, uh, based like uh, speaking of the the other thing we wanted to do with this adventure game was that we. Because we love Machinarium and like other games like Limbo and basically non-dialogue games, uh, we we actually thought it would be nice to take advantage of the fact that we enjoy doing a lot of animations and try and uh, instead of having dialogue, try and have uh, a lot of cues for the player to know what they're doing or if they're on the right track or give hints through animation from the characters and not dialogue. Because usually, you know, like uh, I guess if you have like I would say an example now that wouldn't apply to the game, but if you have a locked door puzzle, uh, you know, you you have the character go to it, and it's like, it's locked, I need to find the key. Uh, otherwise, if you just use animation, you would just have the character struggle to open it and go like, hmm. So you kind of give a hint to the player without saying, I need a key. And we yeah. thought that would be a nice challenge for us to kind of like try and figure out how to do puzzles without uh, literally saying to the player, you need to find this. Right, right, yeah, no, so you have, so there's no dialogue trees or the character doesn't talk to themselves like in every other yeah, adventure exactly. game. So. Exactly. Yeah, we so. also are keep trying to keep that consistent and not having, uh, what's it called, like your subtitles? You know when you like hover over item and it text, says what yeah. it is? Mm-hmm. So okay. full on, like no text other than in the menu, but... Um, so yeah, so you have to figure out what your items are basically wh- without it saying you know that it's a twig or that it's a rock, uh, which is also a challenge sometimes pixel because we, because of the pixel art, <laughs> we need to either up the resolution or just make a really 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 detailed one. Uh, yeah, that's one of the. Well, I mean, at the moment with a demo that we have, it, it works right, but uh, but yeah, may- maybe we need to with playtesting we need to figure this out eventually if we, if we need to up the resolution of a rock or you zoom in or whatever and just have a more detailed version because we wanted to avoid text as Sarah said. No, that sounds very very unique anyway. And is there a way at the moment uh, to know which objects you can interact with currently? So do they You mean you mean as yeah. in like hovering your cursor over yes. it? And, oh yeah, yeah, we uh, currently we just have the cursor turn uh, have an orange uh, outline uh, around okay. it when you uh but uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that's set in stone yet because I, 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 with playtesting, I do see some people sometimes miss it. And mm. what uh, initially what we actually wanted to have is, uh, but due to programming constraints, we can't, but I hope we can do eventually. I think what works best is when you hover the mouse over something and it actually just like uh, highlights it up the whole thing a little bit as it just makes it a bit white, uh, if that makes any sense. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. describe a visual thing now. Yeah, basically just like making the whole thing a little bit uh, whiter and lighter. So it definitely stands out from everything without having any text so that you need the player to know that they can click on it. Uh, but at the moment, we just have the cursor turn uh, into an orange, uh, you know, outline. Or some things have like a slight animation to it. Yeah. It's, what, it's something we are, we are thinking about. So I think we only have one thing in the demo that's like that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need to get the player's attention and not get them stuck. So we, we've been playtesting a lot with that. Also, like light beams and things like that, where you try and like draw the visual focus, but not in a super obvious way. Super yeah, nice. we, we had a few issues with the demo when we were playtesting it in a, in a couple of conventions that uh, we saw people like missing a lot of the areas that we actually wanted them to click. 
and you know when you when you design a game and people are getting stuck consistently in a thing you know that you're kind of like messing up in some way it's your fault not the players so we were uh even though you have a cursor that indicates if you hover over it where everything is we want to avoid pixel hunting which was you know one of the bane of adventure games uh, mm -hmm. uh and we we were trying to find as sarah said other like kind of ways to show it like yeah, like uh, you, because you're in a jungle, maybe you introduce some light rays, uh, you know, trickling over a bus, and then you're like, oh, this bus looks important and bright. Maybe I should click on it. Or we just like add very, very slight animation on some things to just like uh, get the attention of the player through movement so they know that they can click on it. Uh, but it's a lot of trial and error because if you design the puzzle, you clearly know how to solve it. But if you give it to someone else, you know, you can't be in their head. You have to assume that they they're being taught the information as they go along and you to see where you're messing up sure yeah and especially since there is no text you know as I mentioned no hints like oh, right. that like yeah. in just maybe every <laughs> other adventure game uh you just maybe have to work to see how how best to work but it's, it's very different anyway because i can't think of any apart from you know machinarium and yeah like that but but most games you you'd have the player saying i need to open the yeah. door i need a key but now yeah. to find out how best to show that visually so yeah we kind of put ourselves in the corner there and then try to get out of it <laughs> so so it's interesting but but it's it's nice because then it kind of it creatively forces you to find a way to to make the puzzle instead of just saying you know i need to do this and that which like most like i obviously enjoy like you when i play an adventure game the most important thing is having a clear goal what i'm doing you don't want mm -hmm. people to get like really confused like okay what am i supposed to be doing now Although, you know, a certain part of it uh, has uh, the aspect of exploration in the game because sometimes you don't know what to do unless you explore the whole area. Um, so it is it is an interesting balance to like tell the people what they need to do as an objective without literally telling them what they need to do as an objective. And the other thing that we, I think that is a plus for our game, and that a thing that I liked about The Curse of Monkey Island 2, which had like so many pretty animations, is that every time you, um, the player does something good or you give them a hint, you, they actually like kind of get rewarded with watching a new animation of the character. Uh, so you kind of want to keep like exploring and discovering things and trying items on things because you see the character, uh, you know, having a new animation on it and you kind of like feel, oh yeah, I, I want to see more, I'll, I'll keep going. Yeah, no, th th definitely. So like, between animations as well, it can be rewarding for the for the player. Yeah, exactly. And no, but it sounds very, very different anyway to most other adventure games out there. So, so again, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you guys uh, work because it's probably it must be more challenging as well as as we mentioned. <laughs> and um, and then another thing that I've wanted more from adventure games as well, or for games and media in general, is that I don't think there's enough uh, female protagonists. Um, actually, some of my favorite games have female protagonists, like The Longest Journey, Dreamfall, and you know Siberia as well. Um, was that uh, when you're coming up with the story and the main character? What did you think about that, or did you just think you know I'll just have female character because, or did you think no, we need to have more female protagonists, or was that something that he thought of? Uh, do you remember, Sarah? I think we. I am joining. I think I have no idea. Did I you have that? Did you have it worked out before I joined the game jam? I don't know. I just did the character design, but uh, I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm not sure why. I just thought that uh, 
I think I thought that it looked really cool to have orange against green because it stands out so much. So we just like made you know a, a ginger character against the the green jungle, and then it was you know if you have long wavy hair, it's more you know mm, okay. you automatically assume that that's like a female character. Uh, I'm all for female protagonists as well, because <laughs> yeah, it is underrepresented, but yeah. Just... And, yeah, yeah you, and you, usually when I also write characters, I'm, I'm trying to flip around the genre too, and I think, uh, um, because yeah, you see like, would that change the story at all if I just like change the character's uh, genre, and then if it does or it doesn't really, then you know, you just explore the possibilities of it. And yeah, they are, like female characters are underrepresented, and there's no, mm. there's no like, reason really to just have another macho warrior in the jungle just like fighting everything just makes it more interesting as a character and you're like how would you know how would like a female character deal with this in the jungle like because you you've seen the the character of like the big strong macho guy dealing with dinosaurs in the jungle or monsters or whatever uh so yeah i i I guess it makes it more of an interesting character yeah sure no because as i said you know i don't think you know most protagonists are uh, well, white males, and uh, so it's very interesting when you see that you know it's female characters or other types of characters as well. So, um, and yeah, so you talked about some of the other characters in the village as well. Uh, what? Well, actually, are you able to say anything about other characters or human characters that that we will meet in the game? Uh, or is there, do you want to keep that under wraps for now? Not really, because I think yeah, by the time we release the Kickstarter, we would have uh, stuff out. Um, yeah, like the the other playable characters we mentioned, like basically, yeah, she she lives in her village with a fellow villagers, and uh, the only I think character that uh, you meet a bit more is uh, the the chief of the village, who uh, who is actually her father. We are cr- trying to create a relationship between them. Um, uh, we're trying to hint at the past that uh, they both have of like losing, uh, you know, her losing her mother and him losing his wife, and how that affected their relationship. Uh, you know, as growing up from when she was a little girl when she lost her mother. So we're, uh, and the challenge of this is, you know, other than showing it in a flashback, try and show the character's reaction to these events without dialogue again, just with them interacting with each other. Uh, so we, we are trying to have this uh, kind of like ghost lingering over their relationship and over her, uh, her character. Um, and then uh, speaking of other characters, the other uh, secondary character in the game who you can, who's actually playable is the, the, the person in the space shoot, as we mentioned earlier, who actually sets the whole uh, story in motion with a, with a glowing crystal falling in the village. And um, yeah, this is kind of a, we, we, we haven't revealed too much about him because yeah, you, this is actually going to be more interesting to see it playing than me talking about it. Uh, but yeah, eventually our idea was that you have two completely different characters and a person who just like landed on a strange land and has no idea what's going on, uh, trying to, uh, having to cooperate with each other and not get eaten by dinosaurs in order to achieve both of their goals. Right. Yeah. I imagine that that's a pretty, uh, important. <laughs> yeah. And through no dialogue, uh, as well. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> again, which we go back to and the puzzles then. So obviously, with the setting, which is a unique setting, uh, so I imagine that you had to think very carefully about the type of puzzles in the game. Are you able to reveal any types of puzzles that we will see in this game? Um, sure. Sarah, do you want me to say anything about it, or yeah. do you? I mean, it's your pretty standard uh, picking up items, using them. On different things like in the environments 
we are wanting to have um, the ability to combine objects, right? Yeah, no, we do. Yeah, I, yeah, I we remember. Yeah, because because I, I know Guard Duty, like the recently released mm -hmm. by Nathan. Uh, the, he he his design uh, philosophy was I don't want people to combine items because you know uh, mm -hmm. that makes things more complicated than you just do trial and error and everything. Uh, but I think it's interesting. Like you can also you can also do that with not overloading the car the player with a billion items, I guess, so they don't have to do that. And uh, I guess the main the interesting part about our items in the world is that they're mostly you know just like stuff you find in nature. Uh, so you just like a rock and twigs and like vines, uh, which we thought it would be interesting. It's like nothing man-made really, so you can give them, you know, like a metal detector or a phone and then it gets things more complicated. So in a way, if you have, you know, I don't know, if you have like a, um, yeah, if you have like a torch and fire, then you know how to combine those two in a way. And, uh, so it's a, it's a bit more obvious in a way, in our way of thinking of combining items and finding them. Uh, and interestingly enough, we when we were making the game jam uh, version of the game, we we had a puzzle of combining items there. And when people were playing it, we realized that we never actually told anyone that you can combine items in the game, because we assumed that everyone knows that yeah. because they've been playing adventure games. And then we we got introduced to the concept of like not telling people that they can combine items doesn't necessarily mean they know that. Uh, so if you get if we had some of our friends play the game who've never played adventure games. We found out that we never taught them that they must combine items in the inventory, and they were like, "What the hell am I doing now?" Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how you know some things that you know as an adventure gamer don't really apply to people unless you teach them how to do them. Yeah, no, def definitely because if, uh, if you know, for for us, you know, adventure gamers, we know, okay, we have um, you know, we have to combine these items and we have to carefully, you know. Uh, move the cursor around <laughs> the screen to pick up everything that is not nailed down. Exactly. <laughs> and then we have to combine this with this. But then if you don't play adventure games, if this is your first adventure games, you might think, why do I need to <laughs> exactly, combine like this with this? And why why do I need to pick this up? I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, like I, I can't get angry at people for doing this because that's clearly my fault. And then I was like, oh, wait, yeah, they haven't played one. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's... I, I'm, I'm learning slowly that basically being a game designer is being a good teacher in a way because you have to like teach people okay here's this you can do that so you kind of like introduce like a really simple puzzle for the purpose of teaching them how to do it so that they know that you're I'm gonna find something like that later and now I have the you know knowledge of how to do it and I know for adventure games it's really obvious to us but you know <laughs> It's, you know, it, it shouldn't be like as if you design a game, you need to people to enjoy it. You don't need only hardcore fans to enjoy it. You just, it's right, just, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's interesting. Right, because uh, I, I believe as well, you know, the Luca, LucasArts and Sierra were guilty of this. As, you know, as much as I enjoy the games, but they had some adventure game logic. Which, yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> That it was in uh, with King's Quest Five, I believe that there was a snake in the way, but that in the path. But then I was thinking, why did you just go around? <laughs> 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 but then LucasArts as well, the most infamous one, I believe, is the Monkey Wrench. <laughs> oh, what was that one? Uh, that's in Monkey Island Two, where you have a monkey in your inventory, which itself oh. is strange. Oh, and then you need to use the monkey literally as a monkey wrench on a oh, puzzle. I actually, I actually remember that I just got that. I, I never thought of this. I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I just went with it. <laughs> but, but the problem with that as well is it, 
you know, if it does work, it only works in English because I, I yeah. think in every yeah, other language, <laughs> be like, well, it might make some kind of sense. Lot. I mean, no, it's it's crazy. But, yeah, no, because it, uh, yeah, English for me is not like my first uh, exactly. my language. So I was I never thought of that, but but yeah, now that you mention <laughs> it, it's it's kind of insane. But um, but yeah, so even they they were guilty of these things. But I suppose now with so many more people now playing playing games and playing adventure games so uh, that we have, you know, things that then we, it takes them to tell us, oh, no, what, why do we do this? And then we go, oh, yeah, no, that that actually does make sense like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people now to uh, call on your uh, crap, basically, because of the internet. So they, you can immediately get exactly. feedback and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And, okay, so that's some, some of the puzzles. And you also mentioned on the website that, there are some playable action sequences. Uh, I imagine that's with the dinosaurs. Is that correct, or am I? <laughs> no, you are definitely correct. Uh, you wanna say anything about this, Sarah? I mean, we haven't like fully set it in stone, but um, yeah, it's not just the dinosaurs. It's like, well, definitely doesn't involve them. But yeah, we haven't decided like how we want to go about doing it because we're like not programming. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not not just programming, but like quick time events, like are not the most loved things in adventure games. I don't think. It, yeah, it, it's very. Like, yeah, sorry, go yeah. on. <laughs> no, no, you go. <laughs> no, I was gonna say that. Uh, yeah, we haven't set it in stone because we. This is one of the, like, okay, many adventure games have tried before doing this because the main uh, the main problem is that you have a story based game that has a, uh, has a certain pace. Because, you know, their adventure games are not, uh, you know, they're kind of turn-based, I, I guess. They're not like, you don't need quick reflexes to play an adventure game. You just can take your own time. Um, unless they have time-based puzzles or something like that. Uh, so it's interesting if you're saying like a, like a story that's closer to cinema because you want to have um, ups and downs in the story. You just want it to have like, you know, a slow pace. But then when an action scene happens, you want it to be like, you know, you want to be excited and follow it. And usually, I guess, like even like, I don't know, even like Curse of Monkey Island, for example, every time something big happens or like let's suck attacking or like a sip crashing or whatever, you, you would just see like a really epic cinematic and then you would just go back to like, you know, being calm and walking around. So our main idea about this was that we want to find a way to to, uh, you know, take you through the ups and downs, but at the same time, make it playable because it's a game. You don't want to watch a movie. And it makes it more immersive. Yeah, it makes it more immersive, but at the same time, you have to find a way to do this, you know, to actually execute this in a good way. Because, for example, you can't have a point-and-click game that uses a mouse and then say, okay, use the keyboard now. And also go really fast because this is, you know, this requires reflexes. So we, we want to find through playtesting, obviously, I think, I think, I mean, we don't know how to do this now, but I think if, you know, we playtest this and this, see what works and what doesn't with trial and error, that we can eventually find out a way to make this, uh, you know, uh, work. Uh, so we can be as vague as that at the moment, but uh, we, we really want to do this and do it well. And we know it hasn't been done well in the past. And even like Grim Fandango, I think, had a lot of puzzles like that, like where uh, when you were biking and then you could punch like bikers and take their weapons or there was a demolition derby puzzle but had yeah, horrible I believe controls. that was full throttle. But yeah, 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 full oh, throttle. So, yeah. <laughs> what, what did I say? Green Fandango. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was, thinking about the, I was thinking about the tank controls and I was like, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, in full throttle, yeah, I was like, yeah, Green Fandango doesn't have a bike. Well, it does have a car. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be yeah, amazing though. So, so it, yeah, it would. Um, uh, 
but yeah, it has a few action-based puzzles, but they were a bit horrible, I guess, in the execution mm. of the controls. Uh, but, you know, still this game is one of the best adventure games ever made, so I'm sure there is a way to find a... And I'm pretty sure Team Safer thought of the same thing. I want to create a cinematic story, and I want to have some cool sequences in it that's not just cinematics, and I want them to be playable. Uh, so I think it, it is a very interesting uh, aspect to explore, uh, and it can be really, really easily messed up, but I think we can figure it out with playtesting. Right, okay. We look forward to knowing more uh, about that. So, so then, do you have uh, sort of t type, as we were saying, you know, take a quick time events or, you know, however. Uh, so do you have, uh, do you, are you thinking maybe of chase sequences maybe as well, or are you still, yeah. you're still working it out? No, most of them are chase sequences, I think, at the moment. Or mm. the, the main idea was like, okay, you, um, like our main philosophy and puzzle design at the moment for this game is um, you have to go through different parts of a jungle, right? So you end up, for example, in a canyon for pterodactyls and they have their eggs and their protective mothers and all that. So you kind of like slowly figure out the puzzle and then, you know, shit hits the fan and then that's when the action sequence happens, when you actually solve the puzzle and you, you go to the next uh, part of the game. Um, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of now the, of the Unavowed, like the, uh, mm. the, that game had kind of the same thing where the final act of each mission or story, if you, I don't know if you played it, but it yes, was... Yes, I played uh, it, yeah. Yeah, so so they, they it wasn't exactly an action-based thing, but, you know, it had intense music and it had mm. the player, uh, it was more of an interactive action sequence in a way where the character could choose a few actions, uh, but, you know, it's still, I don't think it still was as uh, intense as it is in our head in the way we want it to be. But I think that's the best you can do at the moment with having some action that, you know, gets the player's blood flowing and at the same time not overflow them with uh, quick time events or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, that was the latest example of what I saw, yeah. Yeah, another game that I just recently played is Backbone Prologue. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's I've, a full game. I've downloaded the demo for that, but I haven't played it yet. Yes, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Now, what they did is they have stealth sequences, but what they do is that they're kind of like puzzles as well, like in the stealth sequences. And then if you're caught, then you just go back to the very beginning of the stealth sequence. So it's not, uh, you know, you don't oh, lose the save or you don't have to restore the entire game if and when you're caught, because that's part of the the process as well. You have to try different things as well, which... Um, so no permadeath. Uh, yeah. No, 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 <laughs> <Okay>. no. <laughs> not, not like the long dark here. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's maybe one way. So no, it's, it's an interesting, yeah, we, it's an interesting thing to figure out. I, I don't think it's impossible. I think it's hard. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we, we really want this to work because we, we think it would benefit the game a lot. And we know you, we, can, we can mess this up in a million ways, but, but that's one of the things that a Kickstarter is great for because you have a community of people who care about the game and you want right. to deliver the best possible you know, uh, game for them. And so that would be a really great way to you know, ask, ask the community what they think about this or like maybe mention some examples that I haven't thought of. And then you play test this, and then you get feedback, and you know eventually it works out, I guess. Right, because another thing as well is that also many people might have different ideas. You know that uh, it's impossible to maybe please everyone. That people might say, "No, I love the action sequences," and others say, "No, I, I hate them." Or people are down in the middle. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think uh, it comes down to you as a designer to like, w w what do you agree with us from feedback, and what do you think is you know not worth considering. 
because and also some people like when they give you feedback they might suggest something but uh, you know you have to figure out what they actually are saying to you about this what actually frustrated them mm -hmm. and try and extract the useful information and just discard the rest so it's and we yep. that was a that was a great experience for us showcasing the game too because it was the first time we got out of our bubble and and saw people you know how they interacted with what we created like in a dark room like for months uh, so it's it's really nice to see someone interacting with what you made and seeing what the problems are and then trying to like solve it. Definitely, because Dave Gilbert mentioned something about the feedback that in the first Blackwell game that he had a notebook and he said that people generally didn't like it and they complained about it. So in the second game, he removed it. And then the people again were saying, Where, where's the notebook? Where's the notebook? <laughs> so then he said, so he had to figure out what exactly that he said is the execution of the notebook rather than the notebook itself. So, right, yeah, or you just can't please people, you know, people just like to complain. It's, it's always <laughs> going to be that way. Yeah, you definitely but, can't please everyone. So, yeah, you can. But, but you also, yeah, I think there's a, there's a thin line where you have to decide, okay, is this, uh, is this the gamer just complaining about, mm -hmm. you know, a thing that you can't avoid, like, you know, oh, this advent this puzzle takes too long, I can't figure it out. So mm -hmm. is this a matter of like us making the puzzle actually really hard? Or is this uh, or is this an issue with a player like if they only stuck one more minute with this, they would have solved it. So there's a yeah, there there is a there is a thin line there to walk, I think. Sure, yeah. And uh okay, and then with the with the graphics at, at the moment then as well, because you mentioned on the website that Oh, so sorry, I wanted to ask before we go on to that, uh, you also mentioned that there's lots of dinosaurs. So are you able to talk about the different types of dinosaurs that we can see? You mentioned the pterodactyls, I cannot say Ter that word. Pterodactyl? Pterodactyls, thank you. Yeah, it's really easy uh, for me because I'm Greek and half of them are Greek names. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Luckily for you. <laughs> but, um, um, but, but yeah, so are you able to talk about any different types of dinosaurs? Are you keeping those under wraps as well? Mm, no, we're not really. You, you want to say anything, Sarah? No, doubt about dinosaurs? You can talk about the ones that we we are like happily going to talk about so is like uh yeah, velociraptors um yeah. pterodactyls like yeah we said um triceratops we had a triceratops in the the game jam version yeah i think we, we have the problem now of trying to cut down dinosaurs instead of adding more because we have, <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to base each puzzle around one dinosaur in a way or maybe two tops right sarah yeah, but you can never have too many dinosaurs. <laughs> no, you, you can't. But for example, like I, I, I really want to have a Stegosaurus, like the big one with, you know, it looks like an arm or truck. But mm. I can't find a way to introduce him in the like. Even the Triceratops is giving me trouble now to like mm. add an area. And what we really want to avoid from our past experience now is like overloading the game with so many things that it will never finish. So we have to be like really smart and pick our favorite dinosaurs now. Um, so it's definitely gonna have a T-Rex because it's of part course. of the main story uh, of like yeah of like the main character's uh, mother dying. Um, so yeah, and one of the issues she has is like not only is it a big scary dinosaur that eats you, but it also killed my mother. So I'm extra afraid of it. Uh, so the T-Rex is uh, is a big uh, is a big character player in this, and um, yeah, and then again I guess the pterodactyls are a must and uh, the triceratops maybe we have a we wanted to have a sequence with a aquatic dinosaur like that swims underwater and we really wanted to have a puzzle set underwater uh, so that's one thing we're doing now we're exploring a little bit of that and 
And it's also very interesting for us, like it's a uh, location that those dinosaurs live. Because, you know, if you go to like a Rocky Canyon, as I said earlier, that you're going to find pterodactyls. Or if you go to the bottom of the lake, you're going to find a huge uh, predatory dinosaur. So they, they do shape up the locations. They're, they're, I like the idea of every location being formed around uh, one or two dinosaurs as their ecosystem. Right, yeah. And what's the animation of the dinosaurs? Any bit challenging? Uh, maybe Sarah could <laughs> talk more about our, our cutters as well. So was there any challenges with uh, animating the dinosaurs? Because they all presumably walk differently or... Yeah. Oh, yeah, Costas does the does the um, the rough animation for me most of the time. <laughs> okay. So luckily, I've got him to. Yeah, no, no. So so far, you do a good job of it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, uh, so far, uh, the only problem is to yeah, I don't know. I mean, I downloaded a few like drawing tutorials on specifically dinosaurs and how to, you know, how their uh, their skeleton works and their weight distribution. So uh, like every time I do a dinosaur with a big tail, I'm always trying to make it look like, okay, would that actually make sense as a balance? Like would this tail balance its head or would it tip off? So every time, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a matter of like trying to make sure he would work, uh, not, not necessarily anatomically, but as an animation, as in like, if he jumped, would that, would he jump that high if he would be heavy or would his tail move too much? So it's kind of like yeah, trial and error, and at the same time, look at a lot of uh, uh, concept art for for like other artists or like uh, skeletons of uh, actual dinosaurs and stuff like that. Like we don't go too much into detail to be realistic, I guess. Uh, other than the fact we wanted to have the dinosaurs have a more uh, unique look with having more feathers on them um, and not look exactly like you know the Jurassic Park dinosaurs that look way too much like lizards, which you know we love, but we we want to have a kind of a separate uh style in our game and the other thing we're doing is we're having super bright colors for the dinosaurs too which we really like because they look extra scary i guess if they're super colorful so yeah it's fun sure yeah okay <laughs> and and then uh speaking about the what the graphics i know we spoke about the, um uh the engine you're using ags and on your website you mentioned as well uh, it has a retro aesthetic is is that what you're going for or you know are you looking for you know like uh like the older games in a you know 2d pixel art or would you be would it like to change in the future as well or is there any inspiration for it yeah sorry you want to handle the pixel art <laughs> i don't know if... <laughs> that that's yeah definitely the style that we are going for is the pixel yeah. art but like more of the chunky kind of pixel art um mm. and yeah bright bright colors and yeah, I don't know. I just like always loved pixel pixel mm. art and how you can take something with like not a lot of detail but still produce something beautiful. It's just yeah, like it's... some some kind of charm to it that we really like. Yes, no, the game does does look lovely from the screenshots. So Thank you. Um, so looking forward to seeing how, how it plays and uh, and as well. And then you mentioned that you're using uh, uh, AGS Adventure Game Studio and that's uh, you didn't know coding for you know for anybody else who uh, didn't know coding as well would you recommend using AGS yes there is still like there is a lot of coding involved in AGS because I thought it would be a lot a lot simpler because there is a lot that you can do within the actual interface of the program um, that you don't have to do all of it in coding necessarily but um, there is a lot of coding still involved but there's a, a wonderful community for it so if you ever have any issues you just 
you know, write on their forums or contact them on Discord. Um, and there'll always will be someone who'll have an answer for you. Um, they're just extremely helpful. And there's a there's a whole um, what do you call it manual kind of thing that mm. that has everything in there. Um, so it's it's easy-ish to pick up, but like I feel like you really have to have the mind like to be able to learn that kind of thing. Whereas I'm I'm more of on the creative side of things. I have so much respect for people who can do you know everything, like could be a one-man team and do everything themselves. Because I I struggled to like just concentrate fully on coding and learning how to to use AGS. Um, that I don't know. I'm just far happier creating art and like animating it. But but on the other hand, it is actually amazing being able to put that art that I've done into AGS and then eventually have a playable version of it. You know, bring it even more to life. Um, that 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 is amazing. But yeah, I, I reckon. Like AGS compared to something like Unity is is if you're making an adventure game, obviously, I'd I'd recommend it for sure. For okay. yeah, someone who's wanting to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, no, that's uh, that's good because I know that some you know so, some people you know like yourself they don't know coding but they want to make an adventure game, and um, so and are you guys looking for you mentioned you're looking for a programmer as well? Is, is that still correct? Are you planning to do? most of the programming yourself still we we are um looking for a programmer because i think unlike time efficiency it it makes sense to have a programmer um so that you can kind of concentrate on the areas that we're strongest at Mm. um yeah and we also are open to using a different engine which would mean making it again from scratch but just it depends like what kind of barriers that we do have with ags whether that is a barrier that someone else with more knowledge can get past using AGS. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're yeah we're on the side of programming and the engine. We're kind of open. Okay, um, and and, and then you, but you like the graphics to mainly be the same, right? Or the yeah, or the look, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. And do you do you know? I know it's still very early days. Do you know how long more or less the game might be? Or or again, maybe it's, it's too early to tell. Does it, does like that yeah, or does, it, does that depend on the Kickstarter? Maybe if there's tier goals, maybe uh, again, would that depend on that? Or I don't know. It might be too early to to talk about that. No, we we do have a certain number of um, like areas and puzzles that we wanted to cover because we we're trying to base every puzzle on one area. So we we do have a number of them. Uh, so we. I'm not sure. Actually, we, we wrote this down at some point, but I can't find it now. It was but a while we, ago. We tried to work it out based on other games we thought were similar in length of time, but it's really hard to... Yeah, you haven't made it. You don't know. You haven't played plus, it. And even yeah. if you play it, you know how to play it. So it would be quicker. <laughs> right, it's a exactly. hard thing to work out. Yeah, and it's also our first game, so we can't really say... We can say whatever we want and then basically say, okay, mm-hmm. we were wrong, because we know we're going to be a lot of... Uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of uh, bad uh, estimations. Uh, so we, we do know we have... Uh, when I was making the story first, I added everything I wanted to be in it. But now I'm thinking, like, what are the bare essentials that we need to tell the story we want and not make a tiny game or a huge game? So we're trying to be modest at the moment with our... Because uh, it's better to have a finished game, even if it's small. Uh, and I, I don't know, like, they say full throttle is pretty small, but it does feel like a huge experience when you play it. Like, because you've got so exactly. many areas and you do so many things. So, so it depends because maybe if we have so many different areas and it, it's not, it's you know the same length as Full Throttle, I definitely wouldn't say it would be a small game if you after you complete it. Uh, so yeah, it, we we can't really say because we haven't done it yet. 
<laughs> but so we, yeah, we, we, don't wanna, early, so. we, we don't want to shoot our own foot, basically. So we, we're, we'll, we're paying attention to how big it's going to be. Because I remember your podcast with Nathan, where he was saying like he got too, uh, too happy with adding new areas and characters. And eventually he was like, oh, wait, uh, I have... I just put myself like an extra year of work here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have to consider this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I, I can imagine think, oh no, I think I want to add this and this, but then, oh, it's a lot more work. <laughs> yeah, because if you leave it up to us, we'll be like, yeah, let's have all the dinosaurs ever. Uh, it would be nice. Uh, and then you just, yeah, you work for two extra years. Like, what have I done? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I want to ask as well. Uh, are you? inventing any new dinosaurs like Jurassic Park or are you just sticking to what we know about dinosaurs I'm pretty sure we're inventing some I don't know like because we have a tiny dinosaur and we just call him the tiny dinosaur now because so it's, 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 <laughs> oh. yeah we I don't I don't know what the name is but I remember those uh, from the lost world those little tiny dinosaurs uh, yes, one of them yes, was cute yes. and 10 of them were lethal so we were thinking of doing that uh, uh, yeah, and I still don't know the name of this dinosaur, but you know we're vaguely basing them on movies, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yes, because when when I read the books Jurassic Park and uh, the Lost World, and whenever the the Michael Crichton mentioned a new dinosaur, I'd go on Google Images. Yeah, of course. See what the dinosaur looked like? Because <laughs> yeah, even though I described it, I wanted to you know see in my head, but yeah, of course. Um, of course. No, we do, but, we do, we. I think I guess we just like use Pinterest a lot. At least I do. And I tried to find a dinosaur. I was like, wow, that looks really cool. So if it looks really cool, uh, then we, we try to have it in the game, basically. But uh, okay. the, the other issue we're having is basically, um, uh, I guess, like, for example, if you had a brontosaurus in the game where it's, like, you know, gigantic with the mm. ones with a long neck that uh, eat right. So you can't really have this in the game unless he's, like, far in the background because of our, uh, you know, we're not making Shadow of the Colossus to be able to move the camera and see the whole dinosaur. <laughs> so we still have the same issue now with the T-Rex because we know that it's, like, many pixels wider than our human. Uh, but we're, I think we're going to be using, uh, you know, camera, move, uh, camera moves, like, to go up and down to show the whole dino. And then when the player interacts with them, just, like, stick next to their foot. Uh, so we, we tend to pick like smaller dinosaurs for that reason and not like gigantic ones. Right. Uh, we are yeah, also so talking about are we creating our own dinosaurs so that we will on the Kickstarter have a reward tier where you can design your own dinosaur mm -hmm. well, yeah. with us. But yeah, yeah. Um, Even so if yeah. it's in the background or something, but yeah, that would be a dinosaur, I guess we, yeah. Although I do, we do say create your own dinosaur, but I guess we don't mean like, you know, a three-headed dinosaur, more like you yeah, know, that's one what, that's that kind what of I'd, existed. With, yeah. with us, we'd have to like <laughs> agree on it, but it can be a completely new dinosaur, but yeah. still in a serious kind of way. So yeah, we, we were going to add this as a tier because we thought it would be interesting and people would like to see a dinosaur that they created be in the game, uh, even if it's, you know, just like uh, hanging out in the background or just one thing. Right, yeah, and, and I meant to ask as well, going, going back, you, you mentioned the three-headed dinosaur, <laughs> which uh, reminded me of another question that I meant to ask. Um, the, the tone of the game, uh, will it be mainly, you know, serious, or will it be mainly humorous, or a little bit of both, or have you, or ha how will the tone be generally in the game? I, I presume it's probably more serious, because you mentioned with the mother yeah. dying and that, so... Well, in my, in my head, it would be a combination of, like, you know, it, ha it would have humorous moments, and it would make the... Right. Because you, ha you have a lot of characters who kind of, like, act through grunting, so that's, like, naturally funny. Uh, so they, so we want to, we want to, like, this is the only light-hearted aspect that we have, and uh, especially in the early stages of the game, where, you know, it's the, it, it's kind of like the first act, let's say, where it's kind of like everything is nice. 
uh, before you know things happen. Uh, but we do want to have a mixture of like uh, lightheartedness from at least the main characters, and then like really horrible, gory things happening with uh, pixel art too. So, for example, when the you know barbarians invade, we we actually want to have you know they actually kill people, uh, mm -hmm. and we want to show this. Uh, or when a dinosaur eats someone, they actually eat him. But you know we we think it's an interesting juxtaposition, I guess, with the pixel art and the colorful, uh, you know, palette that we're using to try and use that and then introduce some kind of like gory or like more dark aspects in the game because, you know, it, it, it creates a certain emotion to the player that they didn't really necessarily expect from right. such a game. So it's not as like happy and goofy as Monkey Island, uh, but yeah, it's not like super dark either, I guess. Right. Okay. No, that sounds good. And uh, well, then be, before we finish, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Kickstarter, if you want. So I know that at the moment when we're recording that we haven't started, but when the interview goes out, the Kickstarter will have started. So yeah, um, it'll be amazing I, if uh, at that point where people are listening, we have a Kickstarter going because <laughs> we've yeah, been talking I, about this for for a, a couple of years. <laughs> well, it, and I know this timey wimey things can be <laughs> confusing <laughs> for me when I do the recordings and then you know. However long later they they come in, oh yeah no they, all of this happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, yeah, if you put it out and we have, don't have a Kickstarter now, that would make us liars. So we're definitely doing <laughs> it. Yeah, we're doing it for sure. <laughs> so yeah, really no, he said we'd have a Kickstarter. <laughs> um, but when you're planning, you know, coming up with uh, the Kickstarter, I, I know you're probably still discussing how much to to ask for. So first of all, how do you decide on how much to to ask for? How do you how did you come up with a figure? Because both the other developers I spoke with had just done a Kickstarter, but I believe you guys are the first developers I'm speaking with who are currently doing uh, or about to do a Kickstarter. So how do you go about planning, first of all, the budget and how much you ask for? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> we, it's basically, yeah, we basically looked at other Kickstarters that have games that we reckon are similar to ours or like the similar kind of scale and go by what, what they've asked for and see how successful they were. Um, but we've broken it down like beyond that as well to firstly, yeah, how, to get a figure of how much we need to realistically make the game. So we work out how much we'd get paid. Obviously we're not paying ourselves like loads. It's like on a normal amount that we'd be able to live off of and be able to pay everyone else as well. And then all the other fees that are involved. Then we've taken that figure and pretty much are going to probably be asking for like a, a fraction of that because mm. it, yeah on kickstarter it's either if, um if you ask for too much we feel like you're less likely going to get it especially for us who we this is our first game like we don't well our first like full game, game yeah. yeah yeah exactly we've got nothing behind us to sort of back us up by saying we're can definitely do this or that we're definitely going to make a good game i mean we've got our game jam versions and the demo that we're hoping are going to help that but also we don't have previous games that we've had to build you know have a massive audience behind us where we can confidently think that we're going to be successful in this campaign um so it's going to be super risky to ask for that full amount that we actually are, need to make the game um so yeah that's that's basically how we're going about um coming up with our funding goal is based upon other kickstarters that have been successful similar to ours but yeah. yeah and to and to like try and uh, make up for the fact that we don't have previous games we were like okay we need to take our time and make some proofs of concept to make people you know see that we're we're taking this seriously 
So that's one of the reasons we're releasing a demo. That's one of the reasons that we made a trailer of what the finished game is going to look like. So we made like a lot of the areas already with the artwork and like uh, mock-ups of the puzzles of what they're gonna look like. So we, we try to make as much uh, material as we could to show the people what the finished product would look like and you know uh, make them feel at ease that the project is in the right hands. And then as Sarah said, try and figure out the minimum budget that it would require us to survive and pay a programmer off and the rest of the team so we can actually you know make this without uh, uh, distracting ourselves with uh, finding food. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah, no, because I, I, I imagine you know it is tricky. And speaking to other developers, they said that it is difficult to know how much to, to ask for. Because I spoke to some other developers who said that they, they initially, you know, they asked for a certain amount, but then they said it turned out to be not enough for what they, they <laughs> yeah. wanted because mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they were saying, oh, we actually have to pay other people, other programmers, uh, you know, that the, the, the Coles, you know, talking to when they're working for Sierra, but then they were doing Kickstarter. And then they said, oh, we need to pay people, you know, but the wages have gone up. <laughs> <laughs> and also the budgets have, you know, gone up that people wanted them to make a game like Quest for Glory. But the budget for that game would be would be huge. And then paying programmers and everything. So it's it's very it's very difficult to know. So so then are you uh, funding the game partly yourselves as well? Or are you looking for other avenues to fund the game as well? Or is it mainly well, with we, Kickstarter? We, we did... Uh... Before we, we went, you know, we gave the green light to ourselves for the Kickstarter, we actually tried to contact some uh, publishers so uh, that, you know, we wouldn't have to go through the Kickstarter thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think we did send like a, a ton of emails, but, you know, the problem was that uh, it's a very specific market for adventure games. Right. So, if you're, so if you're like a medium or like small or big publisher or whatever, uh, you uh, have to think of some extra costs like localization or like uh, porting it to like, uh, you know, consoles, which actually puts the cost so high that the publisher will never actually be able to get the, the money back, you know, because they also have to not, they can't get the full amount of the game, whatever the game is making, because we're the developers, so we have to get a big cut of it. Uh, so from their point of view, uh, it's a very small market to actually, uh, you know, put money into it. And it's also hard to market as a game because, you know, we as adventure gamers know this, but, uh, um, you know, the people who are not like in, too much into adventure games, um, it, it's a bit harder to market. So uh, we did try going through that uh, uh, road and uh, it didn't really work, but we got a lot of feedback from, you know, the publisher point of view which was really good for us to know what we're kind of looking for. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for, you know, the reasoning uh, if you apply it to indie, uh, indie developers, because, you know, we, we are going for the bare minimum we can at the moment, which is to release the game on uh, PC and Mac. Uh, so we don't worry about localization at the moment. We don't worry about porting. But, you know, if the Kickstarter manages to be successful, then we can add these as stretch goals to actually be able to hire more people and get more reads uh, with the game. Right, and I suppose um, you know one one good thing you mentioned is the you know the localization voice acting. Since there's no dialogue, it can <laughs> yeah, be true. played in. It's in, mostly text all that over you need the to localize. Exactly. Yeah, we did think uh, about that too. That so, it would be an easy game to localize, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grunting in different languages. Yeah, grunting, <laughs> grunting, yeah, grunting in Japanese. <laughs> but uh, okay, and then so when you plan the Kickstarter, then what are there any things that you you know apart from the money part as well, and with the with with the rewards as well. So 
Uh, can you talk us first of all about the, any of the rewards that people can get for backing? I know that people can see it on Kickstarter when it comes out, but is there anything that you're yeah, particularly? Uh, yeah, or hopefully they, they, they don't change and sell them. But yeah, you want to you wanna talk about them, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've got things like obviously the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> Big one. <laughs> revolutionary uh, reward, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have like an early release of the game as well, but like a couple of weeks before everyone else. Um, soundtrack, a digital art book. Um, you'll be able to get a pixel version of yourself. Uh, also a pixel version of yourself in the game, like as a villager. Yeah, design your own, your own dinosaur with us. Um, also, since I enjoy creating things with my hands, I'm going to make a, a model of a T-Rex. A little little clay model of one. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's. They sound very interesting. Wow. Well, uh, uh, from, from like the research we've been doing on Kickstarter, we uh, because one of the problems that you are having with the rewards is that you don't wanna um, overdo it with physical rewards because they right. you know, they cost money. They cost money to ship and make and all that. So the, the the biggest like physical reward we have is a T-shirt at the moment, uh, which you know it's kind of doable, I guess, to send. Uh, and the uh, and the clay uh, model that Sarah uh, is uh, going to make. Uh, but other than that, we noticed that uh, that a lot of people like really value uh, in-game rewards in a way that are more specialized to them. Uh, which you know, I mean, I, I guess it's not that shocking if you say it out loud. But I th I would have thought that people would like more you know physical things like art books and stuff. But uh, it seems like. Uh, Seems like they prefer more things like you know more personal personalized digital rewards, I guess, like you know your your per, yourself in the game or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of you know cool that people like to see you know it's like oh look there's me I'm there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're gonna, I guess I'm you can bring your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and okay, and you, you mentioned um, uh, some possible stretch goals. Are you in a position to talk about them, or would you like to wait to see you know first of all how it goes or? Yeah, uh, I think it's like yeah. we definitely need to think about this, but you know, it's not it's not our super main concern at the moment because you know we we might even not get our, our main <laughs> our main amount of uh, you know uh, our main, we might not even reach our main goal. It's a possibility, so we do want to focus on you know everything that uh, everything up to the point where the Kickstarter is complete and we have the minimum amount right, of money yeah. that we need. And then we after this happens, then we're going to start announcing uh, stretch goals. Uh, for that, which I think is a more, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that makes more, sense. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a better approach to this because then you you don't overplan for things that. Yeah, that makes. <laughs> that, but that we do have some ideas, but we don't. We we're not going crazy with this now. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. we're not gonna have you know a huge event or a release event or something like that. Like we're we're still trying to keep it grounded. Yeah, and uh, now you mentioned that you wanted to release a game in PC and uh, and Mac first. Do you, would you like to? Or do you have any plans on porting it maybe to? To switch your consoles at a later date, so if... that would be that would be amazing. Yeah, I'd love <laughs> but that. It, yeah, it's expensive to support. Yeah, um, yeah, and also if, I if the opportunity arises, like to do it, I'm sure yeah we would. Like yeah, if we were able. Pixel art looks so good on uh, on uh, mm -hmm. portable devices too. So it's it's mm -hmm. like on the Switch, I think it would look amazing. But obviously, you know, you have to. Get licenses and coding and all that. So yeah, we, we it's a it's a world that we we don't know we haven't touched yet and we don't know how to deal with. So we want to take this one step at a time, I guess. And and if you know we actually have a game and then we have to worry about porting it for mm. Switch and you know right. we'll deal with it then. But at the moment we don't really even have a game, so let's take it one step at a time, I guess. <laughs> Again, that makes <laughs> makes sense. 
And also, I've heard from other developers who've used AGS, uh, you know, Dave Gilbert and Francisco Gonzalez mentioned that currently, I don't know if it's possible to port an AGS-made game uh, to mm -hmm. different consoles. I know that they're working on it. There is a company that's working on it now, that, uh, so it may very well be possible um, in the very near future. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, it's but, one of the reasons we're thinking of switching from AGS. The porting is right. A bit, yeah, it's because yeah, you limit your market after that, uh, mm -hmm. and even for Mac, I think it's a bit. Uh, you know, I know I know people have done it, but it's a bit of a stretch to to release for Mac too. Um, right. But yeah, but I, I but uh, yeah, I think PC and Mac are the main ones we're looking for now. But it would be nice to think about those things. For example, like that's why Unity is called Unity because you can release it everywhere. Uh, so it would be great to have to have this in the back of our heads when we just start the game to think about uh, porting it uh, early on. Uh, but I guess, yeah, because we're still in the hunt for a programmer, we, we can discuss this. And after the Kickstarter hopefully uh, works out, we can, you know, afford one and, uh, and start planning towards this. Right, yeah. And then uh, finally, then, it, with the Kickstarter, it's, uh, is there anything particular that you are preparing for or planning for the Kickstarter? Is there anything particular that you are you know thinking about before going ahead with it or or is, have we talked have we covered everything <laughs> not by far but <laughs> <laughs> well the, the main the main fear for me is to release basically kickstarter to uh the void to like no one knows that it exists so right. this is like the really scary thing like it doesn't matter what the quality of your product is if no one knows you exist then you are in trouble uh and uh at least like it's taking us a few years to like take this off the ground but uh, in the meantime we were trying to build up a, co a, a community or like try to build up people who know we exist for the game so that they can actually you know support us when the time comes uh so yeah we what we've been trying to is like just get the word out get like a few images get a few gifts uh we we yeah because we we announced the Kickstarter like three years ago I think and then we obviously didn't happen so now we're really careful about announcing it too early um, so yeah our main preparation has been uh, like behind the scenes let's say is with uh, finalizing our project page uh, which we're we're just adding pictures to it now and then we're gonna be sending it to a few of our friends and like other developers and get some feedback from it uh, you know about pricing about whatever. Um, and yeah, we're currently making a list of, uh, of like people from the press or like for like some friends and family that we have so that we can contact them. And, uh, we've been reading a lot of, you know, uh, Kickstarter postmortems, I guess, or what other people had to deal with, especially for games. And also it's crazy because, you know, Kickstarter has been every year. It's like a whole different scene, uh, for games. Like it's not the same as it used to be in 2008, for example. So you have to like. Uh, you have to be really careful about the examples that you pick to, to mm -hmm. study. Um, so yeah, we, we've been like trying to consume as much as information as we can, because obviously some things that we're going to find out after we we've done the Kickstarter, but we're just trying to be prepared for as much as possible uh, right. and, and get our expectations like to a certain level about this. Right, yeah, because it, I don't think it's uh, possible to do a Tim Schafer anymore. Just say, hey, I want to yeah, 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 yeah. When Sarah was saying that uh, we researched other Kickstarters, I was thinking, yeah, definitely not Broken Aids and Thimbleweed Park, because, you know, that's a, that's an example of, like, you have some legendary developer who's just saying, hey, I'm going to make a game, and they don't even show you anything. And then you're like, yeah, here's a few million. I have it. Like, we we're definitely can't aim for that. Uh, we have no right to think about this. Uh but yeah, like so. Yeah, we had to go for more uh, grounded examples. Uh, 
Sure, yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think even from some like uh, popular or well-known developers, uh, even they've been saying that now Kickstarter has changed. That you need a, a demo, you need a trailer and screenshot, and practically nearly a finished version of the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really varies, and it, it's weird tough. too. It's, it's just... weird too for adventure games, for example, demos. Like uh, you know, it's. Once you play a puzzle, then that's it. Like you know what it is. It's not like an action game right. where they're gonna add stuff. Uh, so it's 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 uh, it's very weird. Yeah, and some people are saying, yeah, have a demo, and then other people about the video. Like it used to be a norm for everyone to just like show their faces in the, and you know every Kickstarter video. But now like games, at least almost no one does this. Uh, so yeah, so it really depends what you wanna come across with as a message. Like for for example, like we're not really showing your faces in this one, even though we saw the video a couple of years ago, uh, talking to the camera about uh, the Kickstarter. Uh, but like, yeah, we we just think if you're buying a game, you I mean, obviously you want to see the people behind it if you're more interested. But the main focus is what the game is going to look like. You're going right, to support. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And I know that with regard to demo, I know some developers have a section that won't be in the completed game. But no. then, of course, that, that's another, that's more work for you guys. So. Yeah, we, like, the demo we're releasing now actually is uh, part of the game. It's, like, the second puzzle in the game. Uh, so we, we we definitely want, are going to have this in the main game. Uh, but, for example, like, when we first were playtesting this, we're showing it to people, and they were like, so how did I end up there? Why is this puzzle happening? And, <laughs> you know, in our head, it was obvious that it was a second puzzle. But then again, we haven't explained this to everyone. So we added a little cutscene <laughs> this time around uh, to like uh, after playtesting to explain to people, you know, that's why you're in the jungle. You're hunting a dinosaur. Uh, and before they were just like landing there, I was like, okay, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> so yeah, we were definitely having, uh, we, we made the demo with the idea that it was going to be part of a finished game. Right. Yeah. Okay. And do you plan on getting other voice actors uh, for any of the other characters, you know, to do other types of grunting? Or... So far, it's me and Tiana. I've been doing like the, the rest of the hunters uh, in the game. I was just grunting, so whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah. We're thinking we, of some other ones, aren't we? For like the spacemen. The second main character we are, yeah. yeah and uh, some varied grunts in there. We do need some barbarian grunts and stuff, but this can probably be done, you know, if you cycle two people together, just like doing doing a few voices. Um, yeah, there, there, um, we we are exploring the idea of having some kind of like actual voice in the game, but this goes into, I guess, spoiler territory, and we're not right. sure <laughs> if we're gonna do it or not. Uh, but we do explore the idea of getting one actor for a specific character. Uh, but yeah, we're still we're still kind of working around that. But the, I I don't think it's going to exceed like two or three voice actors the game because it's mostly grunted grunting and you know I I can grunt I guess uh, pretty <laughs> firmly so so yeah it, it worked out. <laughs> okay, and and then finally I wanted to ask as well with the um, the sound. So I mentioned Zach Streifel works on the sound. It's, uh, does he work? Do you plan on having music as well in the game? Is he in charge of the music? Yeah, or... yeah, he he's already done like a few um, songs Tracks, for it. Yeah. Tracks. If you if you check the game uh, the game jam page too, I think uh, we posted mm -hmm. a few of the tracks just by themselves from the game jam version. Uh, like he he's really really good because uh, when we were discussing about the music for the game, uh, you know you obviously want to have some tribal sounds, but you don't want to overdo it. Uh, so he 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 did a really good job, I think, with uh, with incorporating you know uh, and kind of an orchestral uh, soundtrack with uh, some tribal sounds in it, and also um, he uh, he 
because we have a sci-fi element in the game, he's done a really interesting job with incorporating, you know, some uh, synthesizer music and mixing it with some tribal sounds because you're technically kind of bringing two different genres together. And it's like really cool the way you, uh, the way he worked this out. And yeah, and he's so fast at working. It's just like say, hey, he's like, I need this, something about that. And then two days later, he just has like an amazing track done. So yeah, it's been, he's been really, really good with this game. And, and it's nice because every time we saw the demo, uh, we get feedback, like people comment on the music, like first thing, which is really a good sign mm. for this. Oh, that's, that's good to hear then. And one uh, of the rewards is also we're giving away the, the digital soundtrack of the game. Too, yeah. Or the Kickstarter. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and do you have a tentative release date or release year? Mm-hmm. If you'd like the game to be released? Well, we do have right now, change. but it's going to be a lie in a few years from now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're thinking, uh, where are we thinking, Sarah, again? Uh, 2020. 21, probably. One. Yeah, I mean, that would make more sense. I don't see it anytime to 2020, I guess, because it, no, it, no. it needs at least a year. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. We, we were talking to. Um, we're talking to a developer, basically, and uh, who has released a few games prior. And uh, we were saying, yeah, we're thinking that uh, it's going to take us about a year. He was like, oh, OK, a year. Cool. <laughs> like, he, he could clearly see it in his face that he was like, yeah, they're never going to do it in a year. So they were like, wait, maybe we should add another year to that. Uh, so at the moment, we estimate that it's going to take us, like, because when we were, um, when we were doing the budgeting, uh, we estimated a year and a half of work uh, full time for this game. Uh, so yeah, and this is like what I'm basing on the design of the puzzles and all that. Like, is this realistically going to take us a year and a half or not? Um, just to design the puzzles. So I think from the time we start working on it, because we, we kind of have done, we have done the story at the moment. We have done most of the puzzles, like at least in like a draft form. So then when the Kickstarter happens, it's a matter of like start executing everything and making like, you know, like a playthrough of the game with like really bad graphics just to see if it works. So yeah, I, th- I think a year and a half is our estimation at the moment from the time we get the Kickstarter hopefully successful. But yeah, it might be a huge lie because you know you never know what you're getting into with such a project. Yeah, especially no, as the first first time. Yeah, and also like exactly, one of the big yeah. problems with Kickstarter is basically people saying, yeah, we're gonna have this done by then, and you never have it, and then everyone gets pissed off. But I think that it's it's very important to like you know even if things are not going well to be active and talking back to the community as in like. Yeah, we like you give giving you keep giving people updates even if it's like bad news. So if you keep everyone in the loop, then I think it's going to be fine, even if it takes more time than you actually estimated, because you know these things happen. But what you can control is you know talking to people and engaging with them and not like just leaving them in the dark, which is one of the frustrating aspects of Kickstarter. Just people right, like you know yeah. getting your money and then disappearing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we don't want to do that because we've been on the other side of that. Right, yeah, no. but even with some experienced game developers who went on Kickstarter, they, like, again with the Coles, when they said that, oh, it'll take us a year, and then uh, the game de- uh, de- did change, but it took them six years. Yeah, even with like Broken Age, because they released well, the, yeah. the documentary, and then you were like, oh, yeah, let's release it in two parts, because it's too big, and then yeah. you are like, wow, if, if they went into that trouble, then, you know, imagine like smaller developers. Mm-hmm. It's exactly Bro- what you're saying, you know. And Broken Sword as well, Charles Cecil... He said somewhere else, I think that he uh, he released the first part because he didn't he didn't want to give another delay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Game. That's what Celtic was. Yeah. 
But, yeah, uh, I guess you avoid naming your game with a word broken in it, and then you don't spit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, well, your game doesn't have any broken in the <laughs> title, terrible. so you should be safe enough. So, <laughs> so uh, no, I, I will include the link to the Kickstarter itself on the show notes, but where, do, you you. Have a, do you have a, does the game have an official website? Uh, yeah, can... it does. It's, uh, the website is theropodsgame.com. Uh, uh, we you can follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing Therapods Game in uh, any of these. I, I would say that at the moment, hopefully, when this uh, podcast is uh, live, that our uh, our estimated uh, Kickstarter date is between the first and the fifteenth of June. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys check it out and uh, support us if you enjoy the game and what you see. I hope so as well. It certainly looks very interesting, and I really hope that you guys can make your goal and make the game. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And so, any final thoughts then before we we finish? I'll leave it to, to you guys. To if there's anything you want to say to the people listening or to anybody else. Uh, uh there it oh is. Oh man, we're on the spot now. Uh, <laughs> I'll put you on the spot then. <laughs> or goodbye <laughs> um yeah but thank you very much for listening if you listen to all of this and yeah wow good for you if you listen to like an hour yeah. of us talking, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i think it's over that now but yeah um yeah and, and follow us and if you like like what you see yeah yeah we, we, yeah th- thanks for supporting us hopefully and yeah we mm-hmm. we hope the kickstarter is live when you're listening to this and uh yeah we hope you like what you see and uh and thank you. Thanks for listening. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much. I might have put the interview in two parts. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, of course. Like because yeah, we we want to have it out, so we can. Uh... Yeah, no, no, no worries. <laughs> broken um... interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, as as I said, the the screenshots look uh, look look amazing, uh, and I really really hope you guys can can meet your goal and then some they can make some stretch goals as well and that mm-hmm. the the game can do well when it's out then so thanks for uh, talking to us thanks for inviting no us worries. thank, thank you, you very much so that was my interview with Costas and Sarah developers of Theropods and I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you check out their game on Kickstarter it it looks great it it's I'm really looking forward to it it's very original very unique and Two developers are really, really passionate about it, so I really, really hope that this game makes it. Next week now, I will hopefully again be joined by Thomas Bex, where we'll be talking about more adventure games that we've been playing. I will give a full review of Draugen, the latest game by Red Thread Games and Ragnar Tornquist. Very interesting game, very interesting experience. I look forward to talking more about that as well. So... Until then, have a good week everyone, and thanks as always for listening. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. 
now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at advent game pod you can follow me on facebook at adventure games podcast you can also follow me on instagram at adventure games podcast as well and we're also on discord at adventure games podcast so if you our adventure game developer or adventure game player you can follow us there so again please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you Thank mm-hmm. you.